Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Blue Surge Podcast. Mike, Joe, and Craig hanging out here post-Worlds weekend. Today's show will be focused purely on Worlds. I want to say that early before we get into our normal stuff, because a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of news has come out over the past week, like a ton of stuff. And we've decided that it'd be better if a lot of the Raging Surf cards that were revealed get talked about next week. So by this time, we've even seen some English uh, scans of what the packs will look like and things like that. But all Raging Surf stuff will be talked about in next week's episode because truthfully, there's so much content. There's no reason to cram it all. Uh, it needs to be given the time that it deserves. So Worlds. Worlds is the focus. But before we do any of that, Joe, it is 5.30 p.m. on a Thursday. How are you doing today? Uh, I don't feel the greatest. I went to home early today for work. But I took a long nap and I have enough energy to do a show. Yeah. Yay! Super exciting, Joe. And we didn't get to play cards yesterday. Did we? We sometimes. You got to play two you got to play two different card games this week. Yeah, there is a potential for three, but uh I just couldn't today because I'm gonna record. Oh, blaming it on the podcast. And I don't feel good today, so That's fair. Yeah, like our star started white sports on Thursdays. That's today. true. So you could do one piece Pokemon and Vice all in one week. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I like it. That is that is a lot. I don't know if I could give it to all that, but I know that pumps you up. That's awesome. So in the future, because we normally don't record on Thursdays, though, so you'll you'll no. be able to do that. Typically, yeah. really, your week would play out. It'd go Monday, One Piece, Tuesday, Podcast, Wednesday, Pokemon, Thursday, Vice. Friday, GLC. And Friday, Pokemon, GLC, and Saturday, Pokemon, if you're really feeling it. So you could potentially... Yeah. Saturday League, but also there's Saturday, One Piece casual so, so you could you could potentially fill five of the seven days of the week i feel like nick hey i mean that's that's a path you guys choose and i credit you for that so that's always you give me credit huh i wish you'd give me a start credit dude i don't want i actually i forgot that i have enough store credit that pretty much anytime i want to build a meme deck it's just easy to do because i got like at least I always have at least like thirty bucks chilling in there, mm-hmm. and that's why I keep it there. I could just buy a bunch of stuff, but it's nice to just be like, ah, I want to play this stupid deck this week, and then just get all the pieces. And I've continued to play Tyranitar. It is, it's got a ceiling. I don't think I've found it yet, at least as of right now. Um, been able to test it a couple different variants, but we've been able to play, which is good. So worlds. We had a pretty awesome tournament last week. Last weekend, I should say. We could go over a lot of the small stuff, but I guess we should just break down to it. This is probably, without being able to look back at all the previous worlds and just knowing off of what we know, this was probably the most stacked eight, like top eight we've had in a while. Especially top four. Probably when you get to the top four, it is the most successful top four. I don't know. At least I've seen it worlds ever. 
Yeah, they're, they're like mostly names I recognize. Three of the four people won international championships at one point. Which is insane. Which is absolutely nuts. So, at this event, I guess, again, we could talk about like the day two stuff. Um, in terms of day two play, Limitless, is, Limitless isn't even that accurate. So, essentially... There was more Lost Box than we thought, and the big thing was there wasn't a lot of Arceus compared to what we expected, correct? Yes. That was one of the biggest takeaways. Everything else was pretty much in the numbers we expected. Um, I thought there was a little more Maridon than I expected. Um, Chi and Pao maybe showed up in a little more. But for the most part, the two big takeaways deck-wise are that Lost Box showed up more and Arceus showed up less, which could have been for a number of reasons. But in our top eight, in eighth place, we had Giratina Lasso. In seventh place, we had Lost Box. Sixth place, we had Gardevoir. Uh, fifth place and fourth place, we had Turbo Mew. Third place was Giratina Lost Box. Second place was Guardi. And in first place, Vance Kelly defeated Tord Reckliff in a three-game series with Fusion Strike Mew. Or I guess it had both variants. It had the ability to play both ways. So I'm happy I got my prediction correct. But I also wanted to see Tord win. That's kind of how I felt. I mean, in the top eight, we also only had three different types of decks. If we bunch the Lost Zone together. So there were three Lost Zones, three Mews, and two Guardies. And the Guardies played against each other in the first top eight match. Which hilariously never got to a game three and ended after game two on a 1-1 tie and had to go off of prize count. That was interesting. I mean, in, in the top four, obviously Vance Kelly taking it is huge, but the other three people who didn't take it, which if you're a betting person, you're probably not betting on Vance and credit to him. Tord, Michael Pramawat, and Azul. So three of the top players. Azul and Tor are two of the top players right now. And Pramawat has always been really good. But he hasn't been as prevalent lately as Tor and Azul. But I, again, I, I can't expect anything more. And outside of the top eight, ninth, 10th, and 11th place are also all international championship winners. <laughs> Being Cyrus Davis, who won NAIC, uh, Brent Tonneson. I don't remember which event. Brent won. I don't remember what which one he won. And then, obviously, Alex Shemansky, who most recently won EUIC. So a huge top cut. It was pretty awesome to see. The finals, I think it really came down to... Guardy kind of shot itself in the foot because if the finals didn't have a time cap, Gardevoir was probably winning the series. But because of the way it worked and the way time went out, Tord didn't have enough at the end and Mew was able to take the bigger knockouts, right? I mean, there wasn't much to it. Basically, I was. And, and I mean, like I said, if you had, if you had 20 more minutes in the round... Does Tord win and finally complete what he's been searching for this whole time and probably cement himself as the best player in TCG history? He did. He could have. But 
he played a deck that even in his top eight match went to time. And when you play a deck like that, you kind of always run that risk. So that's kind of how it ended up. I thought Vance played things really well. Uh, Mew is a very straightforward deck. There's not a lot of complexity to it, but in terms of his sequencing and making sure that certain prize counts were on the board, using Box of Disaster really effectively, I thought he did a really nice job. I was really impressed with it. Uh, in terms of if you were looking at all four players and had to guess which one wasn't a super well-renowned pro based on their play and composure, I felt that Vance looked like he fit in with all of them. He didn't seem that nervous, did he? Not at all. No, even against Tord. I mean, again, playing against one of the best players you can possibly play, going against Azul, one of the best recent players of recent memory. It, it's a it's a pretty big deal. So I thought it was cool to see um, Tord beat Michael Pramawat in top four, and Azul defeated Vance. Or sorry, Vance defeated Azul in their top four match. That's kind of how that played out. I don't know. I was I was pretty happy with it. Do you have any thoughts on how Worlds went as a spectator? Um, I, for me, that was actually the more. As much as I've disliked the current meta, that was actually been the, one of the more amusing worlds to watch. There's you you see all these decks play out, but there are a lot of I think very special plays that I saw, like. <clears throat> watching Tord in finals was a master wizardry thing, and then to Vance just sit there for like 15-20 minutes and then say, okay, here's my three cards I need to win. Here you go. It was it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was kind of amusing. Um, I, I know you experienced this the other day when you were t- playtesting uh, T-Tar's uh, Electric T-Tar. Um, the uh, the the boss up the mana fear for canceling clone and then knock out with Greninja. I saw that a couple of times on stream. So there was a pretty some high level plays that typically I don't think people typically see a lot. And now we were aware of it. Um, so I think it was really nice to see some of those higher level skill plays. Yeah, seriously. I think, I think that's the big highlight. The deck choices were not the most crazy outwardly and nor were they going to be right you're at the world championships you got to play what you think is going to win but the level of play i thought was really really well executed like you said toward getting to where he he tried to get to watching him get there was impressive you know and like i said the funny the funny comical part about it is like you said vance was sitting there the whole time knowing basically he just needed boss like it was an easy combination but watching Tord go through Gardevoir, he's the best player in the world to play that type of deck. Like, it is what it is. He's the best player in the world to play decks that are meticulous, that take time, that can move at different paces. And he plays at a slower pace than most players. But the most impressive thing is about Tord is when he wants to turn up the speed, the efficiency is still the same. It's just not what we're used to with him because he does play pretty methodically. But if you happen to watch those streams and watch any of the Guardi players, anybody who's playing Guardi or play against Guardi, <clears throat> their pace of play picked up tremendously if you watch those games. Shoot, because I had to. Yeah, everybody knew, everybody on the table knew like how slow that game can be, so everybody's playing to their faster potential. So, but like... Th- Guardi is a late game deck, and if you put on turns, 
and you're playing Guardi versus Mew, where Mew can really swing early, swing hard. It, it, it was kind of inevitable at that point, to be honest. And, and truthfully, too, to credit Vance, so we don't sit here praising Tord forever, because Vance won the darn thing. I thought he managed the clock well as, as well. I mean, when, when it was his turn, Mew decks can run very quickly. And I felt that he had a pretty good control of the pace, especially in game game two, going into game three, just not rushing his turns. Because he knew at the end of the day, like you said, if it came down to the edge, if it came down to the end of the line, he had the advantage. So being being a turbo deck, he didn't really have to move at a turbo speed. He kind of was able to move essentially the same speed Tord did, just to make sure everything was in the right spot and really not have to worry about anything, I felt like. I think that the I think that these type of winners will definitely move up to a different level. Will he jump to the Azul Tord Pramawat level? He's gonna have to win more events, right? I mean, winning worlds is incredible. It's the peak of the mountain. It's what everyone wants. But in terms of consistency, obviously, he's still got a ways to go. But hey, credit to him, man. Like I said, he he went into a top four filled with giants, and he walked out unscathed. So I thought that was really cool. I thought it was really awesome. And that's all I have to say Like on the on the card game side of things for Worlds. We got to watch a lot of Unite, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Shoutouts to Luminosity for just being the most dominant team on the planet, and probably for the next year as well. I was asking, referring Christian, did they even drop a game? <clears throat> no, they did not drop a game the entire world's run. That's disgusting. Yep, Luminosity was, well, and it's, I don't want to say ex- it's expected, but they're one of the only teams that have a sponsor. All right, so they are a true professional team. They are world's, they are the, the last year's world's winner. So now they're back to back. And when you watch their games, there were some close ones. Like they almost lost in the group stage to an Indian team that played really well. And I don't mean Indian as an Indian players. It was literally the India team, the team out of India. And they took them pretty close to a three game series, but they just have some players on their team that are incredible and clearly come from a semi pro or pro background in MOBAs. Cause just their execution they didn't stop everybody every game. But even when they were down going into Rayquaza, they you could tell. You could tell they were going to start to fight in the right spot and just take care of things. And they did every single time. So being able to watch Unite and the TCG and bounce back and forth, I thought that was pretty fun. Any other comments before we talk about the reveals? No. All right, so reveal time. Let me pull this up here. So last week, you and I had our predictions, and we kind of were aiming towards like some sort of single prizer, maybe like like the Radiance or Prisms, and I mentioned the Level Xs. Is there anything else we mentioned as predictions other than those two things? I I, I thought there would be a reveal of a general one-time use mechanic yeah kind of like the yeah oh you're talking about the attack like a gx attack and i mean we got one part of it right but it was a mixed bag in terms of the reveals 
So we didn't get anything crazy new revealed in terms of like EXs, GXs, tag teams, all that crud. And it's probably better that way. The first thing that they revealed was they revealed the ancient and future cards of the Paradox Pokemon. We already have a few Paradox Pokemon in the format, and Iron Tusk and Great Tusk, I think. But these new ones will have a future and ancient tag on them, similar to Ultra Beasts. Um, obviously, you would also connect that with the Rapid and Single Strike and Fusion Strike. But the way they're framing it and wording it, they seem to really be relating it to the way they released Ultra Beasts and had like B-String and stuff like that that worked only for those Pokemon. So you assume that when we get these Ancient and Future cards in our next set, literally our next set will have these cards, we will start to get some support. I don't know if it's going to be as good as B-String, but stuff like that. The next part of it was not expected, but makes a lot of sense. Pokemon will be bringing back A-Specs next year. So this will be part of the new 2024 sets. We'll have A-Spec trainers. In the past, if you do not know what A-Specs are, they are single-use, one-copy only in a deck, similar to a Radiant, a Prism, things like that. And they are super powerful trainer cards that are, I think, always items. So, for example, one of the most coveted ones, Computer Search. Discard two cards from your hand and search your deck for any card. Pretty straightforward. This is during the black and white era, so that's kind of how it was power crept. You had Dowsing Machine. Discard two cards from your hand. If you do, put a trainer card from your discard pile into the hand. Super strong VS Seeker, ways to get cards in the discard. You had Master Ball, which is just search your deck for a Pokemon. So, Ultra Ball without the cost. Um, you also had some tools like G-Booster, which gave Genesect EX specifically an additional attack. Pokemon printed about, I want to say, about 10 to 15 of these cards. There were ones like Life Dew. Life Dew, if a Pokemon, this card to attach to is knocked out, you take one less prize card. So there's some pretty strong cards that were in the A-Spec era. So Pokemon has announced that these will be coming back. We don't know what type of A-Specs, if we're going to get reprints or brand new ones. We have not seen what they would look like, but we do know that they're returning. Joe, we are going to go over the Paradox cards in a moment, but in terms of just A-Specs, what are your thoughts? What are your expectations? Any feelings that came along with that announcement? Uh, I'm generally okay. Like... I don't mind the A-Specs. It's, well, at least the ones that were out and available at the time. <clears throat> so, like I said, Life Dew is good, because I think you had the Junk Hunt uh, Sableye. And so, like, you just basically loop that for a while, so that can be pretty danger dangerous. Um, most popular was Computer Search. Discard to look for anything in your deck. Um... Like I, I know I oh I I think I trade away my computer search to Nick actually, but um I also have my dowsing machine that would allow me to grab something from my discard pile. Uh, I I forgot if there's a cost to it or not, but so there are some pretty good A specs that were inherently stronger than others. Um, scramble switch was huge with uh, Groudon, where you would switch your active to the bench and put someone from your bench to the active and switch all energies attached to it. 
So you had, had scoop up cyclone as well. Yeah. So there are some really good ones out there. Um, I think definitely some of them are worth a reprint or having back. Um, but there's also obviously some other A specs that are make no sense to bring back because um, there were certain mechanics that were used at the time that they went well with, right? Um, interestingly enough, there was one A spec, I believe, or at least one I can remember, that you were able to play on your opponent's turn or put on your opponent's side. Let me see if I can find out which one that one was. Because I know there were a couple cards that connected to Genesect. There were a couple of them that connected to Curum. So uh, there's one that connects to Victini. I'm trying to see... Like, that was a good thing about PTCGO. I was able to look that one up. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, but, but they could. They could bring stuff like that, that, like that back. Yeah. Um... So I think it'll be a welcome change. Peter Search, Crystal Edge. Those are the Curum ones. Oh, okay. The Crystal ones are. So I guess my follow-up question, though, is, you know, so we talked about how they're themed around Pokemon. A couple of them are. So you have a Victini one. You have the Genesect ones. You have the Curum ones. Do you, th- I mean, which, do you think they're going to bring up Pokemon-specified ones now? Um, I'd prefer they not do that. I think they will. I agree with you. I don't think I don't think they should, but I think they will. Like it, it would whatever. I, just don't give it to ones that are already broken. No, you don't want you don't want a card like G Booster and G Scope going to something that's already insane. Gardevoir. Yeah, we don't need any more for that card, but could be one of the paradoxes. Who knows? I mean. I I don't think they're going to reprint any of the cards that they already printed. And if they do, I think they'll change the verbiage to prevent a secondary market from having a say in the circulation of cards. You know, I, I have a feeling that as a business, they're not going to reprint. If they reprint something like Computer Search, it's going to have different wording and you won't be able to use the old one. That's That's kind of my expectation. So we'll see what they do. But I think overall, like you said, overall, this is a good thing. We kind of got our prisms back in a way. Um, you assume that they are going to have, they're going to be a calling card back to some of these old ones. And I don't think the wording is going to be the same, but this is overall a good thing. So if you never played during the A-Spec era, which I didn't play through it, but I play, I played limited expanded. So I have an idea, just kind of how you have an idea of how they felt. Mm-hmm. But with all that said, we can both agree that it's overall a good thing. Yeah. Now we can revisit the Paradox Mons. Some of these are forgetful as of now, because again, remember, we have no support for them. And some of these may be a problem right away. So, let's go through them. First up, we have one of the more impactful ones, Screamtail. Screamtail is a psychic type with 90 HP with the Ancient Tag. Again, we don't have a lot of support for these, but I will let you know which is which. For one Psychic Energy, Slap for 30 damage, and for a Psychic and Colorless, Roaring Scream. This attack does 20 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon for each damage counter on this Pokemon. Weak to Dark and a Retreat of 1. On the surface, it's fine. With Gardevoir, 
it's a problem. <laughs> because now you have a single prizer that through acceleration can now hit for 160 damage anywhere on the board. That's way a, better than that's way better than Cresselia. Yeah, this is very good for Gardevoir. This is this is I mean, it's a good card. Like GLC loves this card, right? I'm I'm happy for Gardevoir. I I, I truly am not happy for Gardevoir there. Well, I mean happy for are? Gardevoir. Are you happy? Why are you happy for Gardevoir? You're never happy for Gardevoir. Oh, because it got got more tools to be better. It really needed it because it did get second. Yeah, because you know it. It's super slow, so let's give it more power. Yeah, because, I, yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, even though the game has printed counters to Mew time and time again, and it won worlds without having a ton going for it, let's just keep giving Guardy more stuff, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, it'll become the true tier one deck that it deserves to be. Exactly. It's not even meta. That's crazy, man. I know. People should start playing it more. Screamtail. Screamtail might put it there. Screamtail is a pretty decent card. Next up, we have Iron Bundle. This is the Delibird Future variant. 100 HP, water type with the ability Hyper Blower. Once during your turn, if this Pokemon is on your bench, you may switch out your opponent's active. The opponent chooses who they switch in. And if you do, discard this Pokemon and all attached cards. So it's like a like a, an escape rope-esque effect by discarding it off of your bench. For one water and two colorless refrigerated stream, 80 damage. If the defending Pokemon is an evolution Pokemon, it cannot attack during their next turn. Weak to lightning and a retreat of one. Not as good as Screamtail, but definitely has utility. Yes. Right? I mean, you deny a prize because you play it and discard it when it's time to go. It's probably never going to be attacking. I think this is great support for not just water, but for every deck, right? Yeah, it's good for a lot of decks. Yeah, and it's balanced because your opponent chooses. Yes. Where if you if you hit a Pokemon discard that just straight up you chose, that would be a, a pretty big issue. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you have any more comments on it, but I think it's pretty I think it's pretty well balanced. So hope you don't leave it. I hope it doesn't come into the active. That's true. Big true. Now we go on to Iron Moth. This is a fire type 130 HP future variant. Has the ability Thermal Reactor. Once during your turn, when this Pokemon moves from your bench to the active spot, you may move any amount of fire energy from your other Pokemon to it. For two fighting and a colorless, Heat Ray, 120, and during your next turn, this Pokemon can't use Heat Ray. Without knowing the support for future cards, it's a pretty underwhelming card. Would you agree? I would agree. There's really not much going for it. 120 for a switch in? Yeah. Well, not mention that is that you also have armor region in, in format. So it's just like, okay. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's fine. But I feel like a lot of the switching cards you had in the past do some sort of boosted damage either for switching in or for having a lot of energy. And this has neither. So for right now, Iron Moth is pretty, pretty bleh. Next up, we go back to the ancient side and have Brute Bonnet. This is the Amoongus equivalent. 
Brute Bonnet is a dark type, 120 HP, and has the ability Toxic Powder. Once during your turn, if this Pokemon has an Ancient Booster Energy Capsule attached, you may make both active Pokemon poisoned. We do not have this card. We have no idea what Booster Energy Capsule does yet. Two Dark and a Colorless, raging, a Rampaging Hammer, 120, and during your next turn, this Pokemon can't attack. Similar to Iron Moth. Uh, it's hard to comment on this without knowing what Booster Energy Capsule does, but from what we're looking at, we've seen these Poison-type cards before. They could be cheeky with like Hyper Fangs and things like that, but other than that, kind of like Iron Moth, I feel like it's not very powerful. I don't know how you feel. Um, not right now. It does not look powerful, but I, the art looks really cool. The art, the art on all of these cards look great. And the, the I, character... I, I don't, I don't know if they'll bleed like they are, but the actual, that's like, what art... I'm wondering too. Or if that's some kind of effect that they did on the video. How sweet would it be if they did though? I wouldn't mind. I think they might. I'm, I'm excited to see, but yeah, that's proof bonnet. Then we move on to the two EXs revealed. First one is Roaring Moon EX. 230 HP, dark type. For two dark and a colorless, Frenzied Gouging. Knock out your opponent's Pokemon. If your opponent's active is knocked out in this way, this Pokemon does 200 damage to itself. Shoutouts to Emergency Jelly. That's a very aggressive name. I know. Frenzied Gouging? Yikes. Yeah, and these are the English cards, so there's no translation error. For uh, two dark and a colorless, again, so same cost. Calamity Storm, it does 100, and if you discard a stadium and play, it does 120 more. Weak to grass and a retreat of two. So, really the conversation here, Calamity Storm's a decent attack, but the conversation here is around frenzied gouging and the ability to knock something out and essentially almost knock yourself out. I'm going to be really curious to see what support is printed that helps this. Because emergency jelly is a thing and would put you in that range. So essentially, if you had that tool attached, you'd hit, knock out the Pokemon, take 200 damage, heal 120 of it. So you'd be sitting at 150 health left. Is that good enough? Or do you think we're getting more support around Roaring Moon? I would probably assume we're getting more support during Roaring Moon. Like, it's just, it's it's too specific and weird of an attack not to get anything, I feel like. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see. But as a card, face value, how do you feel about it? It's... For the amount of energy you have to attach, it seems fairly fair. I think I think it's balanced enough right now because it, it because of the cost requirement black black dark or sorry dark dark Carlos um like it's it's an odd thing and what's dark patch right now at um what block is it and we're at we're at, yeah it, it's in block F so it's gonna stick around yeah so it will have dark patch. Okay, I, it, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's not it's not great, but it's a card that is on that that borderline of playable. 
But well, mostly because of the first attack. So exactly, you're just knocking something out. So we'll have to see how that goes. Here's the other difference, though. Our uh, the the challenge, right? So you have emergency jelly, and then you have box of disaster. Emergency jelly, if I'm not mistaken, is between turns. Correct. And box of disaster when it's knocked out. Also correct. So box of disaster would proc first before emergency jelly. Yes, it would knock out Roaring Moon. Yep. Okay. So there's some weird interactions with this card, but I'm curious to see where it goes. The final card on our list is Iron Valiant. Probably the staple of the set, or at least the staple like poster Pokemon. 220 HP, Psychic type has the ability. Is it Takian Bits? Takian Bits? I have, I have no idea. It's probably even silent and I'm saying it wrong. But anyway, once during your turn, when this Pokemon moves from your bench to the active spot, you may put two damage counters on one of your opponent's Pokemon. For two Psychic and a Colorless, Laser Blade, 200. During your next turn, this Pokemon can't attack. Tweak to Metal and has a retreat of two. Awesome, Gertie. But it's basically a Guardy. I don't think it's going to be. In, it might be in Guardy, but I don't think it needs to be. It is a Guardy, but I don't think it's going to be in Guardy. I don't know. Damage manipulation is pretty good. Yeah, but it's got to be put to the active during your turn. So it can't like be like a response to a knockout, I don't think. Oh, 200 is nothing to scoff at. No, 200 is nothing to scoff at, but Guardy already hits the 190. Like, babe, like big Guardy. But wait, there's probably a tool where Iron Valiant could probably switch as many times as it wants to. Well, that's what I'm about to say. Just like Roaring Moon, there's no way this thing is going to be this. If Roaring Moon and Iron Valiant are the flagship future and ancient cards that we're getting, there's no chance that they're just going to sit here at a completely like mediocre value. So I'm I'm really curious to see in the next couple of weeks what the support looks like. Because I believe we're going to get it, especially as we're getting more cards revealed. And I... These cards give me a, a concern because they're, they're okay as they are, but they clearly have support coming. Like, they're not... They're not like a fortified deck at the moment. But clearly, you can tell that there's something coming. There's something coming in that's going to support it. So we'll see what it is. But I think both these announcements were fine. I mean, Paradoxes, we expected. Aspects, we didn't. I'm, I'm pretty content with it. I'm just glad we didn't get any new, like, big prizers. I think that's the big thing. I mean, I'm sure you would agree with me on that, too. Yeah. And that pretty much wraps it up, though. I mean... We had our new reveals. We had Worlds, which again was a phenomenal event. Really enjoyed watching that. Now we move on to the new year. Now we move on to Paradox Rift and all these cards that are coming out. We'll be talking about a ton of them next week. Pokemon Worlds will be in Hawaii for 2024. So, Joe, uh, start playing your events. You going for your Worlds run? No. No. Maybe in one of your other games. Maybe. We'll see how the Paradox Rift comes up. Yeah, we will. We'll have to see. It's been a phenomenal competitive season. Again, I was glad to see it end on such a positive note. And again, with such high-level plays towards the end. 
Joe, before we head out this week, again, it wraps it up for us. Is there anything you would like to say? Everybody have a good weekend. Have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Look forward to Paradox Rift if you've been opening Obsidian Flames, which also came out the weekend of Worlds. Hopefully you've been opening what you've been looking forward to. Thank you for supporting us, and we will see you next time.